All right, everyone, we are just six weeks away from the start of the NFL season. Training camp started around the league. We are getting close, continuing our division preview series here with the deep dive of the NFC West. Let's dig in. Hello and welcome to Move the Line. I'm Ryan Noonan, joined here as always by my friends to talk football. Should be a fun one. We are wrapping up the NFC West here, joined as always by Connor Allen and Sharp Clark. Connor, how are we doing? Great. I feel like now we're like so close to the season. Now I'm, I'm just excited. I'm looking forward to week one, looking forward to props. Like the more that I start talking about this at this point, uh, I'm, I'm jazzed, you know, and releasing a ton of plays in our Discord lately. It's just been, I'm getting hyped. I'm getting hyped. Yeah, I hate that golf betting's going away because I love betting on golf. I love like the process of uh, Monday. Sorry, the process of like a Monday through Wednesdays, all the different ways that you can bet the game. I am, I've been in the weeds in the tackle street. I am very much ready for uh, you know props in a very different way moving forward. Like last year was something I jumped in midseason, but this year I'm excited from uh, from the jump from day one. Uh, joining us as always is our our. The guy who decides to tackle the hardest market that there is out there is uh, Sharp Clark. How are we doing, buddy? Good. You know, I, I put a lot of thought into all my tweets and and try to be, you know, deliberate about what I do. And then and this morning I, I shit post about Calvin Ridley and it's my biggest tweet ever. It's, it's pretty frustrating how Twitter works, but uh, now Twitter's broken for me for the rest of the day because it's just flood of likes. It's very interesting. And yeah, that's, Connor's very proud of you. Um, nothing feeds his soul more than likes. Um, so, you know, I think living vicariously through you and your shit post today, I think is, is brought him a ton of joy. Look at that smile. Yeah. Kanish called me a welfare salvitri the other day. And I thought that that was unbelievably accurate. Yeah, uh, great. so yeah, I thought it was, I mean, one of his better, uh, one of his better disses for sure. I'm welfare Connor Allen today. So. <laughs> yeah. You're not that bad, Connor. I mean, it's like, I think they're there. You will thread more than the average person. You thread far less than uh, the handful of folks that uh, you know make that their entire brand, and good for them. Like I, you know, look, play the game, right? Like you know, I'm the one sitting here like hating on it. I can't believe this is how that works. But those people have you know fifty thousand followers, and hopefully for themselves, they're selling lots of subscriptions and then all those things. I'll let Connor be the front man for that for us. Um, I will stay right behind him. I'll encourage him, pat him on the back, go thread your way to uh, driving a ton of subscriptions for for all of us. So uh, helpful as well. Uh, you can head over to the site 444.com and read uh, Clark and I's uh, detailed written previews of each division that we've done so far on the show, including the NFC West, which we're going to break down here as well. Uh, you can get a betting subscription. Great time to do that. Um, you can just 444.com slash plans. It's going to get you everything on the site. We've partnered with Vivid Picks. Uh, Vivid, if you're not familiar, they're a uh, pick'em site that's out there. Again, so, similar to some other ones that you know in the space. Use Promo code 4 for bet when you sign up. They're going to match your first deposit up to $200. But just a $5 deposit and playthrough is going to get you a, a three-month betting sub, which if you do that now, it's going to take you through week seven of the NFL season. So that's a lot of really good content for just $5. Uh, Connor's going to be able to you know give you some vivid picks too. Jump into our Discord. Uh, we have lots of other people firing some of that stuff out there as well. Um, so yeah, great way to jump in because we're getting close. We're closer than, uh, closer than you'd think. So if you're hanging out with us on YouTube, Thumbs up, like the videos, supporting the podcast as well. All those things go a long way in supporting all the free content. So, uh, all right, the last one in the NFC. The West is going to be an interesting uh, discussion, I think, here. I think it's a two-horse race, um, but I'm interested to see what the gentlemen think here. First, we'll start with the 49ers. Uh, they are the favorites here, clearly. They are 10-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. That is available on FanDuel. Uh, you can get them as well on FanDuel to win the NFC at 4-1. to 1. They are minus 160 
on FanDuel to win the division is the best price out there in the marketplace. Their 10.5 win total is juiced pretty substantially across the board. Obviously a great season last year, 13-4. and four. Kind of a wild ride, Clark, and I'm going to kick it to you first. I mean, we thought it was the beginning of the Trey Lance era. We were kind of moving into that. Jimmy G had been kicked to the side. We had one monsoon game in Chicago. He gets hurt really early in the second game. Jimmy G, of course, comes in, uh, keeps the ship afloat, and then he goes down, which is obviously inevitable every season. And then Mr. Relevant, Brock Purdy, takes over, takes them all the way to the NFC Championship game. Uh, you know, Hassan Reddick absolutely eviscerates his right arm and the Super Bowl aspirations of the 49ers go along with it. But again, great roster. Uh, but let's just get started with the Niners. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're solid top to bottom. I mean, I, I kind of view this division there's no such thing as a lock in the NFL. Like so many things can happen, but if I had to pick one team that I had the most confidence to win its division, it would be the 49ers. I mean, Kyle Shanahan has proven again and again what he can do with the offense and they've got an unreal set of weapons. And it, it's a, it's a set of talented people like Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Juszczyk, you know, Brandon Ayuk. And, and uh, I feel like I'm missing someone. Oh, McCaffrey. Um, it's not just that they're talented it's that they all do really unique things and Shanahan knows how to get them to do those unique things. So it's, it's a confluence of talent and scheme that is just really impressive. Their offensive line has been declining a little bit over the last couple of years, but it just doesn't seem to matter because of the way that Shanahan uses motion and using sets to create that space. Um, Purdy should be, should be fine. It looks like, um, but even if not, you know, like Trey Lance and Sam Darnold would, would likely be a downgrade, but, um, I think they have enough pieces on offense to withstand some quarterback uncertainty, just like they did last year. Um, and then on defense, they were just dominant. I mean, they, they were a lot of times when a team has good defensive metrics over the course of a season, it results from favorable matchups, backup quarterbacks, et cetera. They, you know, they played Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Tua, um, Andy Dalton was underrated, Tom Brady, Geno Smith three times, Matthew Stafford in both Rams games you know, Russell Wilson, Justin Fields, this wasn't an easy schedule. They they were just legitimately dominant on defense. Um, and they lost some pieces, but they also got Jason Hargrave. Uh, they lost the defensive coordinator. You know, we'll see how much that matters. I just expect um, another strong season from the 49ers. Connor, I want to tee you up here because in earlier episodes, and I forget which one, I felt like we were getting some pro Brock Hurdy vibes from you. Um, and I kind of agree. I think that there is there's some reporting that, coming into the season, he was probably more set up than any other scenario. We have a long history of Shanahan taking uh, just, you know, Beth Hart and Nick Mullins and just anyone and kind of propping them up and being at least competitive. But last year, having Purdy come in and really no pressure, right? He was the quarterback three, last pick in the draft. Uh, but coming out of Iowa State, it spent a lot of time with another Iowa State quarterback, Sage Rosenfeld, who was in the league for a long time, had his best career seasons in Houston, with Shanahan. So it kind of, I think, softened and flattened the learning curve even more for Brock Purdy in this system where he's really able to hit the ground running. So I don't know. I, I feel like we've kind of cleared the first hurdle, which I think there was kind of a two-prong hurdle coming into the season with Brock Purdy. First, it was in the injury. He's going to start the season and not be on the pup list. He looks like he's okay. Now we get to the question of what he did last season. Is that sustainable? Is that something that he could build upon? Or was last year going to be kind of a one-year wonder? 
Yeah, I think that's a big question. Obviously, a 7.6% touchdown rate is bound to regress in some factor, but I just don't really think that that matters that much. When we look at when he took over, week 13 on, the 49ers ranked first in yards per attempt, second in EPA per play, third in EPA per play on play action, fourth against the Blitz, eighth in completion rate, ninth in success rate. Um, obviously, they had some losses on the offensive line. They lost two of their edges, Jimmy Ward at safety defensively. I mean, currently, they're favored in 16 of 17 games, uh, but... You know, some of those are a little bit tighter. I think you put in your preview that I believe it's like eight or nine of them are within three points. That being said, I, I just think that this team is significantly better than the rest of the division at this point. So I think minus 160 is a little bit short, honestly, uh, for me. So like I, I would consider that. I think alternate overs are very much in play as well because their strength of schedule right now is projected to be the fifth easiest. Now, obviously, a lot of that has to do with playing Arizona and the Rams twice uh, each. But at the same time, I mean, there's just a ton of ways that this team can win. And I really liked what I saw from Brock Purdy on the film without using those stats, just like the ability to and willingness to push the ball downfield a little bit more, take some more risks. And then obviously when you have Debo, Christian McCaffrey, Ayuk, Kittle, like they have guys who can just win in every area of the field. And I think that that's such an advantage when paired with a, you know, scheming mastermind like Kyle Shannon, that I think that they're just set, set up for so much success that they're not really all that fragile in most ways either. So that's kind of the big difference is like a lot of these top teams, I think could be a little bit fragile. Like at the most important position, if someone else has to play, like the 49ers are probably still going to be pretty good. Um, like if Sam Darnold has to play. And so that's kind of the difference for me is that like this team isn't necessarily predicated on a quarterback. It's predicated on like the depth and, and uh, you know, breadth of the system, I guess, significantly offensively. So I'm excited for them. I think you play them in a variety of ways. And I do think that they are significantly like by a lot, the best team in this division. Yeah. I think that's a great way of putting it. I think that's kind of a unique thing too. I think we so much like we'll just kind of, mentioned that everything is hinging on you know contingent on the health of the quarterback i just don't think this is that team which is kind of wild to say um that they probably have pieces that can be plugged in every year i feel like when we get to this point i'm doing the preview on the niners i'm concerned about the back half of the defense and it never seems to matter uh and i think when you go out and you add a javon hargrave too to solidify the pass rush again like their front seven is so good it's so strong i mean we don't talk about fred warner very often by far the best linebacker in the league, an incredible coverage, coverage linebacker. Uh, Dre Greenlaw next to him is an absolute stud as well. So they're going to just not miss a beat, even with, again, like it's a great place to be for Steve Wilkes, who definitely wanted a head coaching job, probably earned one with what he did last year in Carolina. But like it's, he's taking over to, for D'Amico Ryans, who took over for Robert Sala. Like these guys are just getting head coaching jobs after uh, spending some time in that defense. So probably works out really well. I'm concerned, I guess, about the offensive line, but even that, when I dug in a little bit, did some work like that worries me a little bit less. Like they did a good job at having, well, all their quarterbacks get the ball up pretty quickly and Purdy was good at it. He ranked 10th in PFF's passing grade. He was sixth in adjusted completion percentage when he got the ball out within two and a half seconds of the snap. That was better than even what Jimmy G did uh, ranked 18th in PFF's passing grade. So I don't know. I'm a believer in Purdy. I think that there's room for him to continue to get going. And I agree. There's a ton of ways to, to bet them here. Like they are, five to one to start five and oh i didn't do the math you're probably better off rolling over money line parlays and that's um you know you can't get that now but you know you can you can look at that to start and look at the schedule to start it is really really soft um for them to get out there and again just find unique ways people like to get their their money down wherever they can and uh you know luckily DraftKings is uh, offering you quite a bit of a variety in ways to do that but it's a pretty light schedule to start for san francisco they play uh, two on the road, 
Pittsburgh and the Rams, uh, then the Giants, Cardinals, and Cowboys. So it kind of comes down to that Cowboys game probably. Um, you know, they're only three-point dog or a three-point favorite at home, or I'm sorry, on the road in Pittsburgh. Uh, but I think that's interesting. Also, four and a half wins in the division at plus 140, I think is interesting. You're basically saying you're going to sweep the Rams and the Cardinals, and then you need to split uh, against the, the Seahawks. I think that they're comfortable to do that. And at plus 140, I don't think that's a bad number, too. And I'm kind of with Connor. Alt win total overs, I think, are viable too. Uh, Clark, how would you bet the Niners? I, I'm I don't like laying a lot of juice on futures bets. So, I, like, even if I think minus one hundred and sixty is good value, which I think probably mathematically it is, um, I think I would lean towards that plus one hundred and forty over four and a half division wins. But even that, it, it's just asking for a lot of things to go right. Um, the plus one hundred and forty helps take some of the sting off that. I, I think I'm I think I'm just hands off, and I'll, I'll look to be playing them week to week and, and see how they look. Yeah, I think without a doubt, it's a, uh, it's a really good football team. And uh, I'm with you. I think, you know, without having done all the homework on all the AFC teams yet, just off the top of my head, I probably feel I'd be the most surprised, I guess, if a non-49ers team won this division. And that, to me, there's only one option for that, and that would be our next squad. That is the Seattle Seahawks. A Seahawks 40-1 to on Caesars to win the Super Bowl. They are 16-1 to to win the NFC, also available on Caesars. Caesars has the best division price as well at plus 210. And their win total is juiced up on the over a little bit at uh, eight and a half. I was very surprised that the Seahawks were what they were last year. We saw some six and a halfs. I think it got down to five and a half in the preseason last year. Concerns about really both lines, uh, both sides of the football. We had a Geno Smith, Drew Locke quarterback battle. Um, really hard to see them taking a step forward off of a pretty poor seven and 10 team led by Russell Wilson the year prior, but they were really good. Um, I think they've continued to have back-to-back great drafts, Connor. Uh, and that, I think, helps quite a bit, just bolster the talent that I think was really kind of depleted across the board in Seattle. Yeah, so I think their secondary projects to be really strong here with the addition of you know your guy, Devin Witherspoon. But I think that there's some issues here in the trenches on both sides, and that's kind of where my worry is. Last year, 26 in EPA against the run, 15th against the pass. So I think they can be exposed on the ground. We saw it with San Francisco. I mean, like San Francisco in the playoff game had basically no intention of, of passing the ball because they could just absolutely shell them, you know, whatever, whichever way that they wanted. Um, I mean, offensive line, we have them 23rd. Gino and the O, I think this is a pretty interesting split here. It's talked about enough, but I didn't wasn't able to like flesh out the numbers specifically prior to this. We, through week 13, sixth in EPA per play offensively. Weeks 14 through 18, they were 25th in EPA per play. Now in that sample, though, they played San Francisco, the New York Jets, Carolina, and Kansas City, who came on late again defensively, and then the Rams, uh, all with offensive line issues. So, like, I think that there's a little bit more noise to those splits than kind of what's given credit for. So, where I end up on this team is a little bit, like, I just think they're a little bit volatile. So, I think that they do have the potential offensively, if they play like they did earlier on in the season, to potentially make a run with the addition of Jackson Smith and Jigba as well. Eighth and pass rate over expectation. So they, they're successful in that regard. I think that it could be big for them. But like if they can't hold up in the trenches, run defense wise, offensive line wise, like both of those could be issues specifically. So that's kind of where I line them. I just like don't really know what to make of putting my chips in on, on Gino and like a, a team that greatly overperformed last year to like continually overperform again. It's a fair question, Clark. What are your thoughts on Seattle? I was bullish on the Seahawks last year early on and really liked what I saw out of Geno. But the, the reason why the, the back half or the ending streak, you know, they, they ended the season three and six. The reason why it bothers me so much is 
because Gino kind of came out of nowhere, right? So defenses, when they were game planning for Seattle early in the season, either had no film or very little film on this offense with Geno Smith. They weren't they weren't watching Jets film from whatever 2014 or whatever it was, you know. They and and by the end of the season, they had all that tape. They knew how the Seahawks ran their offense, and they and they really shut it down. And yes, these were good defenses, but I'm thinking about how it felt to be watching those Seahawks teams. They had no chance of beating Kansas City. They were 10 point dogs, didn't even cover. They had no chance of beating the Niners in the playoffs. They were 10 point dogs, didn't even cover. Um, they had no chance of beating the, the 49ers at home. They were, I think, three and a half point dogs. No, you know, didn't cover. Um, yeah, they beat the Jets. They lost to the Panthers. And then they beat the Rams in two games against Wolford and Baker Mayfield by a combined seven points. Like, this was not a good team down the stretch. I remember having, uh, I had NFC futures on them and the Packers at long shot odds. And one of them was going to make the playoffs. And I remember saying, I want the Packers to make the playoffs because I don't think the Seahawks even have a chance to win the NFC, even if they do make the playoffs. And and I, I get that they've improved over the offseason. They've added some really key pieces and a lot of young guys are getting better. They got Bobby Wagner back. That might help the run defense. Jamal Adams coming back from uh, injury. Um, so they, they could be better, uh, but I think they have to be a whole lot better to actually challenge the 49ers for the division, unless the 49ers suffer myriad injuries. Um, so I think the Seahawks are getting a little bit too much steam for my taste. I think they're an average team, um, and I think they should be treated as uh, an average team against an average schedule, you know, projected to win about eight and a half games. So I like the Seahawks a little more than you guys uh, based off of that. And part of it is like, so it obviously concerns about Geno. Um, the thing with Geno is he is accurate. Um, so yeah, I think that there were some, the accuracy I think did kind of carry on throughout the season in terms of completion percentage over expectation. I think JSN coming in, working out of the slot adds a really nice element. He's really good at getting open. Gino's really good at being an accurate quarterback. They had bookend rookie tackles last year, um, with Abe Lucas and Charles Cross. I think it's fair to expect those guys to take a step forward. Now, I also think part of the second half issue was not only the, the defenses that they played, they're really bad at running the football. Now that falls obviously on top of the offensive line that we're talking about here. Like we saw a ton of big plays from Ken Walker, but they were dead last in success rate. Like they couldn't do anything. And we saw a lot of like Ken Walker had like Barry Sanders style runs, right? It was basically like, Hey, he's getting just tackled in the backfield, doing nothing. We're seeing these massive home runs because he's a skilled back. So I expect a little bit more from the offensive line. I think the JSN helps alleviate some of my concerns on Gino, but I'm not not concerned. Um, I think the defense can be significantly better. I think that they've done a good job adding everywhere. Draymond Jones comes over to solidify the defensive line. He's been top six in run-stop win rate the last two years. Last year uh, in Denver, the year before he was in San Francisco. That helps a lot. Bobby Wagner had the lowest missed tackle rate in the league last year. He's probably not the Bobby Wagner that they had five, six years ago. He's still really good. They lost Jordan Brooks to a late uh, ACL injury. He helps solidify that. They don't have much pass rush, but the sneaky thing is, is that's actually the thing that Jamal Adams is best at. He's terrible in coverage, and they have a really nice safety group. They brought over Julian Love from the Giants, a uh, friend of the show, a great tackle machine. We can plug him in out with, you know, with other guys. They can allow Adams to kind of be a de facto pass rusher to kind of make up for it. Now they've taken some swings in the draft to some of these guys like a Derek Hall, who they drafted out Auburn this year hits. That's my only real concern because I think the corners are really nice. I think, you know, Witherspoon hits the ground running. Tariq Woolen in his second year is probably going to continue to be better. So I think there's a lot of things to like here if they can get some pass rush and everyone kind of takes a step forward after, you know, a lot of young guys, you know, and 
I think exceeding expectations in the first year. So I don't think that they're a real threat to the Niners. I agree with you, but look, the NFC is wide open. Uh, they can continue to build off of that with, you know, having alphas like DK Metcalf. I don't think we've seen the last of good seasons from Tyler Lockett. I think it's a really nice group. Even Zach Chardonnay, like the kid from um, UCLA, he was really good. He was one of the best short down success runners in the, um, you know, FBS last year, really good receiving back too. I think he's a nice compliment to what they could do there with Ken Walker, probably a thorn aside from a fantasy aspect, but from a totality of a team building standpoint, probably a good addition. So yeah, I'm not chasing the juice eight and a half, but I'm, I'm okay with thinking that the Seahawks are kind of a, a back end playoff team, especially considering that they have, I think some easier wins in this division with kind of the rest of the teams and they're going to have to play. Would you lay minus one twenty on them to make the playoffs? Because that's what the issue. I just like, I I can't quite get there, uh, and I also don't think they can win the division. So I just don't really know how to play this team. Yeah, it's tricky. I, I think it's a fair question. Well, what did I mention here too? Um, yeah, it's yeah, not like their schedule is super easy. So yeah, they have a really tough little slate in the middle, right? Weeks twelve through fifteen: San Francisco at Dallas, at San Francisco, and Philly. That's brutal. But I think it's a great home field advantage. Having to travel to the Pacific Northwest is tough. They have four home games this season against opponents that are on the second leg of their back-to-back. Um, and that's sometimes kind of noisy, but like statistically that's, that's mattered when you've had to go to Seattle. So that does help a little bit in terms of their schedule. But I mean, that four-week stretch late in the season when you're kind of making a playoff run, like we're going to be here in week 16, week 17 going like, here go the Seahawks again. Uh, look, they got off to a really nice start. Now they're kind of coming back to earth because I think they probably do get off to a nice start. And then again, that's a, a gauntlet there uh, at the crunch, you know, crunch time in the season. That's tough. Yeah, I, I did play also Geno Smith under 11 and a half interceptions this year. I think the addition of JSN is nice. Um, I think if their defense takes a step forward, it could allow them to, I guess, not really pass as much if they don't want to. Um, and then beyond that, we have projected for like, I think nine or eight, something like that. And he had 11 last year and he had seven interceptions in his final eight games. So, I mean, without that stretch, like, you know, he's not even close to 11 and a half, 12. So I think there are a couple of positive factors there, plus interceptions of a lot of different outs. Like, uh, you know, if he gets somehow gets benched, throws a ton of picks. I mean, I don't think it's likely, but you know, again, it's possible if he like just bombs it early in the year. So a uh, couple more outs there as well. If you like the Seahawks, maybe wait until they're and two and then bet them. <laughs> let's get into it then that turns the, that turns the page i think it's a clear tier to me i think that there are three tiers, tiers in this division i think it's the niners i think it's the seahawks uh, i believe the next two teams are closer than clark thinks for sure so we'll start with the uh the first of those two teams the rams they are 80 to 1 to win the super bowl points bet has the best number there uh 65 70 at most other spots 45 to 1 on DraftKings to go back to the super bowl you can get them at 10 to 1 on FanDuel to win the division and their win total open at seven and a half. Uh, now you're looking at a slightly juiced under six and a half. Um, I mean, look, seven and a half under was the first play I made this season. Uh, you know, those are long, long gone. Um, I'm interested to see what Clark thinks about that. But again, I just think that the unique approach to building a team has come back uh, to bite them a little bit. And they have, I think, a bottom two roster in the league. Uh, and I know that we're going to have Cooper Cup back, and I know we're going to have Matthew Stafford back. We saw that last last year for eight games. They were 31st in EPA per play with those two guys, and the team around them this year is significantly worse. Clark, I will give you the floor to talk about the Rams. All right. So, so first of all, the the numbers with Stafford last year, like 
they faced an absolute gauntlet of defenses to open the year. The Bills, when they had fully healthy Von Miller and a healthy secondary, you know, the 49ers twice, absolute wagon on defense, Cowboys, those four games absolutely destroyed their EPA. A lot of, in part because they had no offensive line. They were hurt on the offensive line. They didn't play well. They didn't have a run game. Everything just kind of went downhill and they were just flinging downfield shots and it just wasn't working. I get that. They played really well in the other games, right? They put up 31 on the Falcons uh, in, in a blowout, even though it ended up four point win. Uh, you know, they played well on offense against the Cardinals and they beat the Panthers 24 10. So there was a significant split between the good games and the bad games. Um, and ultimately, it's important when at this point in the season to separate your opinions of teams from season long projections and who are they now? Because those are two different questions. And I think there's a massive gap here for the Rams. Season long, I'm not buying any, you know, bullish Rams futures. I, I have no issue with your under bets. I, I see all the ways this can go way downhill. They're so thin. Um, you know, the offensive line should be better, but it's still a little fragile. They may be trading Cooper Cup you know, or Matthew Stafford by midseason. We, we don't know exactly what downside there is here with this team. Um, but who they are right now with a healthy Stafford and a healthy cup and Aaron Donald and Sean McVay and an offensive line that is healthier and better than it was last year. I just don't like, I don't understand how people can look at that regardless of what the rest of the roster looks like and say, well, they're a crappy team. Like they've got the most important pieces in place. Now, I recognize there are all kinds of holes everywhere else on the roster. So their upside is, is not there, in my opinion, long term. But I just think that they're going to be a competitive team with a bunch of really competitive players that do their job really well. Stafford might be the best quarterback in the NFC when healthy, um, especially when he's got Cooper Cup with this insane connection they've had the last couple of years. So I'm just I'm thinking that like separating out those two questions, I'm bullish on the Rams in the short term and I have no opinion on the long term. Yeah, that's totally fair, right? Because this is going to be the best version of them, you would hope, assuming that they get through the preseason without any massive contributors going down, especially Which, the three the three that you mentioned. They don't play those guys, right? I mean, if Stafford is healthy now, he's going to be healthy week one. Like, he's not going to play in the preseason. Uh, Connor, what are your thoughts on the Rams? Yeah, I just think this is such a great litmus test of how much star power really matters because I don't think we've ever seen a contrast where, like, there's three good players and then there's guys who are like should not be starting on the majority of other rosters. And so like that's just a pretty stark difference where it's like most other rosters are built like, oh, there's a couple of star players, a couple other good players. And then there's maybe like one or two bottom feeders. You know, the, I mean, this roster has just like an unbelievable amount of guys who I've never heard of or like have barely ever played. Uh, I mean, I think it's almost their entire defense was drafted in the last two to three years has very minimal, uh, you know, actual gameplay. And yeah, if we look at legs. right. So yeah, like <laughs> that's the thing is like, I can't tell you that they're bad because they just haven't played, but they're like fourth round picks that are that's like the caveat you know, too. And I think right. that's important not to cut you off but because yeah. they've punted on all the early capital. These guys are all day two and day three picks as well. We, we see those guys come in and contribute and be really good. There are a handful of them, but when you need a, like 10 of them, that's a very hard story to sell me on. That's all. Sorry. Oh, you're muted, Connor. Yeah, you get off mute. I cut it. I cut you off, and uh, yeah. Yeah, and I went on mute. Uh, so Darion Kendrick is one of these starting corners. 117th out of 118 corners according to PFF last year. Um, we have a, a, a Kella Witherspoon might, might might start. I mean, he was like terrible uh, for the most part. And then you have 180 pound Kobe Durant who was a fourth rounder. I mean, like. 
I don't know. I mean, I guess some of these guys could be okay, but like there's nothing to suggest that they are. So it's going to be like Aaron Donald has to be a one-man wrecking machine, and then you need a couple of these other guys to step up. And I do agree. Sean McVay can probably scheme around some offensive line issues, but I don't know. It's some He's had some issues, I think, like routinely at certain chunks of the season where things aren't going his way, and then he has to adjust, and then he fixes it, kind of. Uh, but can he start off and just like have everything fixed, good to go? Also, the whole Cam Akers thing, I think it's – Really ridiculous like you know basically went from bench week one was going to be cut slash traded couldn't find a trade partner and then became their feature back and now he's their good to go feature back off an achilles three years ago um I, I guess like you know i mean it's i think that there's significantly more downside like like newton said but i that being said like i don't have the i just don't think we've ever seen something like this like where there's like literally three guys can these three guys carry them to wins early in the season. So I'm excited to see it, honestly. I think it'll be like very, very interesting. I think Clark did a good job at kind of, you know, putting a measure take on it. His, his thoughts are there probably are some opportunities early in the season. He's not bullish on them long-term per se. It definitely is, you know, but again, you can make the case that, hey, maybe they get a little bit more seasoning. Uh, maybe they get better and they can find their groove there. Uh, some of these really young, unproven guys start to hit the ground running. Uh, it's very interesting. Mike Clay of ESPN, does a, you know, does projections and then ranks basically does a unit grade, uh, you know, offense, defense and 4.0 scale. So 4.0 being the absolute tops all the way down to 0.1. The Rams uh, interior defensive line, which involves probably maybe one of the best players of all time, 2.8 defensive line. Uh, and again, but above average unit, every other unit, all of them, uh, edge rusher, um, Outside linebackers, corners, safeties, 0 0.1. Um, it's just a bad, it's just, it's a, it's a bad football team. I agree, Clark, like the NFC is just the prize of a good quarterback play. If it's a healthy Matthew Stafford and a healthy Cooper Cup, who's probably the best quarterback, at least from like a pure pocket passer in the division. Like I, I know that we, you know, like Dak can take a step forward or, you know, not turn the ball over. I think we like what we've seen from Jalen Hurts. There are cases there, but like Stafford, Again, we forgot what we saw because we didn't really see him towards the tail end of last season. There's a case for that. But, man, the defense is going to be a disaster. So maybe in fantasy you can make a case for like, hey, if Cooper Cup stays healthy, how does he not catch 150 footballs? And with this, you know, like the competition at wide receiver is garbage. Um, they're going to have to be really, really good in all that and more. Like same thing, Ernest Jones at linebacker. I mean, I don't know how Ernest Jones doesn't get a lot of running backs running right into him in the second half of games uh, this season because they're going to be playing from behind and teams are going to be running on them quite a bit, I would think. So, again, Aaron Donald is a difference maker, but I don't think he could be this much of a difference maker. I would still play all thunders uh, on this team. I think that there's a you – know, you can make the case that they're going to upend Seattle in week one. I think there's a really good chance that, that week five matchup or week six matchup against the Cardinals is uh, both of those squads looking for their first win. Uh, you can get the Rams at 12 to one to be the last winless team in football. I think that's off market when compared to uh, the Cardinals who are four and one, uh, who again, are also terrible. And we're about to talk about. So um, you just think that there's the downside here is, is pretty rough. I uh, the very, very narrow limited upside, I think is best utilized early in the season as I think Clark laid out. So uh, Clark, it sounds like you're staying away from bets on the Rams. Just kind of looking at opportunities early while they're healthy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think like people use the idea that Sean McVay considered retirement last year as like, oh man, this Rams team is done. But like, did he retire? Because because 
he's back. Like, I just don't see Sean McVay being like, yeah, I'm going to come back, but I'm just not going to take it that seriously. Like he, the, the competitiveness in his veins is going to prevent him from going into the season with a defeatist mindset. So, you know, I don't think that's evidence of the Rams tanking. I think that's evidence of the Rams giving it everything they got, at least early in the season. We'll see what happens if they're one and four, you know, what happens at that point. But for now I'm, I'm giving McVay the credit for coming back and, and coaching and wanting to be better. We're going to see some pretty fun scripts here. It's going to be like the Rams trying to run the run the ball a shitload early in games and like trying to control the clock. And then they're going to let up go down like two touchdowns. And then Matthew Stafford's going to have to throw the ball like 40 times. It's going to be like kind of like the Bucks second half of last season where they're like, oh, we can't just throw it every play. We'll try and run. And they did that for like a quarter, went down, and then just threw the ball like 50 times. There's enough. I agree. Like I don't think that there's any anything to carry over from the offseason in terms of McVay um you know retiring as far as his motivation like these guys all are too competitive and have too much pride i think it was just a volatile offseason there was enough stafford rumors and you know stafford comes out and it's like hey i take it as a compliment the teams were interested and it's like at least there were there's enough there that late in the season here especially in la where there is a very right down the road a very exciting young prospect who they would love to fill uh a rams jersey in that brand new stadium when this team is kind of in full rebuild mode. I don't know. I think that that gets interesting. Again, we know that players don't tank. Organizations can try to a little bit. So I don't think we're going to see McVay himself or, you know, again, maybe the Amazon check just wasn't big enough. Uh, maybe it is next offseason. And then, you know, we don't, we're, you know, discussing a different situation here with with the uh, the Rams in the offseason. But, yeah, I think that they're bad. And uh, I think Clark did a good job at giving a measure take there. We'll now I, turn to I, a Oh, no, no, no. Before you guys are done, I want I want a little side bet action between you two. Week one, Rams, uh, Seahawks. I think you guys disagreed on it. Um, I mean, are you guys willing yeah. to take this action or no? Yeah, let's I like it. the Seahawks at five and a half. I, six, I get six being you know five and a half is fine. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Let's go. There we go. I just needed to interject that because I was like, I know that they have differing takes here, so I wanted to see it play out live on air after our <laughs> yes. uh, week two episode. I guess during our week two. Episode. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. Yeah, we'll we'll tee that one up. We'll go. Uh, well, we'll skip it. We just went, we just, I think, dissected the week one matchup. Nothing's going to change between now and then, I think. Hopefully, uh, maybe the, uh, you know, Witherspoon hold out lasts and uh, uh, then it's a whole different conversation because uh, we, need, we need him in the mix for sure. All right. The Cardinals are widely available 200 to one to win the Super Bowl, 100 to one to win the NFC, which I think is way too short, uh, 27 to one to win the division, and four and a half win total is mostly flat across the board if you happen to have. An appetite for that transition year for sure. Uh, and interesting to see in Arizona this year is transition year, not just with, you know, sometimes you get a new coach, you have a new general manager here as well. You also have the star quarterback uh, out due to a late season ACL injury. There are definitely questions, valid questions around does Kyler Murray take a snap this season? Does it make sense for him to take a snap this season? Does it make sense for the Cardinals to allow him to uh, Connor, I'll let you get started with this one. This is tough because I've been like super down on the Cardinals all offseason, just in the fact that I thought there's no shot Kyler Murray was going to play for a while. And I'm kind of starting to doubt my initial like thoughts on that. And I think that there's a pretty good chance at this point that he plays like way earlier than we thought. And I don't I don't think there's a chance he plays week one, but like week three, week four, maybe. And so we're looking at this team here. I kind of think it's similar to the Rams in a sense where it's going to be Kyler Murray and basically nothing else. I mean, last year, Cardinals defense, 31st of points per game, 31st of points per drive, 32nd success rate allowed. They drafted BJ Ojolari, and then they added Garrett Williams, who's coming off a torn ACL. 
Um, I mean, some of their corners are rough. Like their defense projects to be one of the worst still. Their offense, they traded away DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I mean, I think the Marquise Brown is fine. I mean, I'm kind of a known Hollywood hater. So I, you know, I can't stand for him too much. But like if Kyler's playing like a win total at four and a half with plus money on the over, like I'm not saying I'm betting it, but I think that if we want to look at how like the best bet of how to bet this team, I think that's probably it. If Kyler's going to play three quarters of the season. So I also don't think that the whole like will Kyler not play the whole season. Like I think if he has a choice, then he's going to be playing obviously, but there's, it would have to take the ownership being like, Hey, we're trading you or like, Hey, we don't want to deal with this anymore. Like, Hey, we're basically, we're taking just get healthy for your next team. And we'll make sure you go somewhere you like, like it would have to be something like that, that thing just generally doesn't really happen in the NFL. So like I, for me, I kind of think the most likely outcome is that he plays three quarters of the season and then they kind of still sink and they trade him. Um, but I think that at this point, like this Cardinals team could win more than four games pretty easily. So I know I've been down on them. I know that the talent sucks, but like, is it, that much worse than a team like the Rams. And I mean, they have a great quarterback or an interesting quarterback in Kyler Murray. So I don't know. Call, call me crazy. I, I want to hear the the contract contrary here, but I, there's no shot of betting under four and a half. Clark, where are you at here? I agree. I'm not betting the under, um, but I think three quarters of the season is a bit optimistic for Kyler Murray. And then on top of that, like, yeah, okay. If Kyler Murray enters week five, even week six, week seven, uh fully healthy and his 100% self like sure over over is probably a good bet but I was reading some injury analysis from one of the you know one of the doctors that that posts about this kind of stuff and saying that Kyler Murray's recovery timeline might be shorter by virtue of his you know athletic profile but that because of the way that he plays this injury will impact his play early on as, as he gets back up to game speed so I just don't see a I don't see an expectation that Murray's first game back will be 100% Murray I think this is going to be a an ugly, slow kind of recovery from injury because he requires getting outside the pocket to make plays. I mean, he's he's not a good quarterback within structure. He, like, he's never been. He doesn't have Cliff Kingsbury anymore to where, like, they're just spreading out the receivers and just saying, okay, like, throw it to the open guy within, you know, however many seconds. Like, if he's going to actually have to run an offense, I just don't think that he's going to be as good as Kyler Murray is perceived to be. Um, and if he's scrambling around with a, you know, recovering ACL tear, um, I, I don't know. I, I just don't see it. I, I think, I think so much has to go their way for them to be even, you know, a, a competitive team with, with, you know, obvious signs that they're rebuilding, you know, they have the Texans early draft pick, they have their own draft pick. Um, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like this whole, this whole framework doesn't make sense. Jonathan Gannon doesn't need to prove anything this year. Like they're giving him multiple years to figure this stuff out. Um, and so I don't know who the offense coordinator is. I don't know who the defense coordinator is. I mean, I know, yes, I know the names. I just don't know anything about them. I don't have any experience of them coaching NFL teams. Um, so I think there's just so much uncertainty here. We don't even, I mean, maybe Colt McCoy is starting week one. We don't even know for sure. Um, ultimately this is like a complete hands-off for me. I'm not even betting week one. Like I just, I need to see this team on the field to have any idea who they are. Like I have less grasp on this team than any team in the NFL. Um, so, and I don't like betting in uncertainty like that. Yeah, I think you're crazy, Connor. I'll be honest. Like, I'm, I, and I, I kind of hate this analysis. It's not really fair. I don't know him as a person, uh, but I feel like I've seen enough. Kyle Murray, uh, he's a front runner. Uh, he is bad body language when things aren't going well. He's grumpy. He's not a quarterback that goes under the sideline and like looks like he's trying to like coach up guys that like didn't do what he wanted him to do. He pouts 
I just I've seen we've seen enough of this at this point to see like it's just not a guy that I believe is going to love playing behind a a crap situation on both sides of the ball like short fields I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a disaster um so yeah I mean I, I don't love chasing the four and a half again like and we've talked about it on the coaching episodes like Jonathan Gagnon was not a guy that was like oh this guy is just this really creative mind defensively really kind of stale vanilla type of situations going on in Philly when Howie Roseman stuffed him full of playmakers they were a great defense all of a sudden it wasn't schematic stuff that Ganey was doing and now he's going to go do that and make lemonade out of lemons I just don't see that happening he's got a you know 29 year old defensive coordinator that was his friend in Philadelphia I wish him really good luck in his career I hope he makes lots of money and coaches in this league for 30 years I think he's going to have his hands full in the first year they've been bleeding talent on the defensive side of the ball for years and have done very little to replace it. They've drafted multiple off-ball linebackers early in the first round. Neither are very good. Um, they try to use them a little bit to rush the passer. They're not very good at that. Um, we just gave more money to Buda Baker, who's kind of the only thing going there. It's it's really rough. Um, you know, Chandler Jones left, JJ Watt retired, Ben Neiman's gone, Zach Allen's gone. Like they just everything that's kind of been that's held that kind of fort together for the last few years. Isn't really there. James Conner, okay, we're going to give him the ball 20 times a game until he breaks because that happens every single year. Hollywood Brown's your best player until he breaks. That happens every single year. Um, so we're just going to get a bunch of Clayton Toon and Colt McCoy snaps. That's not very good either to start the year. So I don't love four and a half because it's such a low threshold. But, again, they won four games last year. Um, teams win four games quite often or win you know even less than that. So it's not like it's outside the realm of possibilities. It's a – it's a rough roster. Uh, let's see here. The, you know, again, if we get Kyler back, the Cardinals spend most of December playing either out in the cold on the road at Pittsburgh, at Chicago, at Philly, or hosting far superior teams, San Francisco and Seattle in the division. So, like, it's not even good in the sense that like Kyler's going to be back towards the tail end of the season. It's kind of when their toughest part of the schedule comes. So, yeah, again, like Clark said, because of the what they did in the offseason, setting themselves up draft wise. Man, they are set to really move off of the Kyler contract, push resets, add some talent. It was a great trade fleecing Houston, and they're going to have you know real good shot at having two top five picks this year, depending on when you think of Houston. So uh, you can get, I think, under one and a half wins in the division is a uh, plus money, plus 110 in Caesars. Basically think they're going to either beat Seattle or San Francisco. I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, in this instance, they have to sweep the Rams. So I don't think that that's happening either. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind that either, and I want to be clear that I'm not like massively advocating the Cardinals. The no, numbers, for sure. The number is just like insanely low. I mean, you're looking at like they. I mean, the Bears are not going to be good. Like the the Bear. Like I don't care if they're in Chicago or at like maybe one of the worst home field advantage in the league, or if they're at you know wherever Pittsburgh. They play the Rams twice that we already mentioned could be have disastrous downside. They play the Texans. Like there's five or six games that are at least like could be close if Kyler Murray's playing and. I don't know. I mean, I get it. I think Jonathan Gannon is going to be a disaster, but I just, I don't, I think that there's a lot more uncertainty about them for sure being the worst team in the league at this point than there was like a couple weeks ago. Cause like Clark said that there's, that there's like some doctor analysis and that's what I was reading. It was like, Oh, there's no way he's gonna return week eight, week nine. And you're probably right in terms of like, he won't be Kyler Murray, but like, I mean, everything has been increasingly positive the last like two weeks out of like camp of like Kyler Murray looks great. You know, he's well ahead of recovery. He's trying to play week one, which again, not true, but 
you set your sets on week one, probably in week four, not week eight or nine, like we thought originally. So I don't know. It could make a difference. Anyways, far that, too that bullish does, on the Cardinals in general. That does change things. And and I, I think the big takeaway with the Cardinals is like so many people at this point in the, in the year are looking at other teams' schedules being like, oh, well, that's a win. Like they're, they're like adding up, like how can this team go over under their win total? And they're like, you know, the Bears, like, oh, well, Cardinals is a win, you know, and it's like, that is just not how the NFL works. Like, there's no there's no easy wins there's no gimme wins the cardinals are going to win you know probably around four games this year like even if Kyler murray doesn't return to late and like that's four teams that you thought you were chalking up a win that don't get that win so it's just kind of a cautionary tale like you still have to play the football you still have to win the game there's nothing to do a lot of it uh so but i agree i agree with you like you know it's it's definitely especially late in the season you never know we don't know what the dynamic of the bears looks like um that could be PJ Walker at quarterback or whatnot uh, for Chicago, even though that's an outside game for Arizona, like who knows? So I think it's, I think it's a fair uh, criticism of, of some of that analysis. They could just, there's not an influx of talent happening this season in Arizona. And I think they severely lack and that's going to, it's going to bear itself out. So I'm I do excited think to fade them next year, honestly. I'm, well, well, maybe even this year, like I, I'm pretty comfortable laying the juice with like good teams against them, I think, but um I don't know. I guess we'll we'll see. Like Clark said, I just feel like we have no idea what to expect. I think, I think all we need to know is that a team with a six and a half win total juiced under starting a fifth round pick quarterback who has one game under his belt is a six point favorite against this team in week one. That That's all you need to know about the market's perception of the Cardinals. What's the Cardinals team total in that game? Is it over 17? I don't know. I mean, I thought that might be an under for me. Honestly, I think that the might, total like... is like 40 or something. Is the team total out? I'm sure it's out. The week one like has basically everything out on DraftKings. Any real books have it? <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah, the yeah. heat. All I right. mean, I don't blame you. It's, you know, up the limits or, or get out of the ring, DK. You know, not even up the limits. Like, just allow us to bet on, on limits, stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, just have something. Like, <laughs> let us know what the limit is. Like, yeah, make it something. But yeah, it's I. It's a good point. I mean, Connor's very bullish on uh, Sam Howell and. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not far behind, but uh, yeah, a couple uh, bad football teams in this, uh, in this division. 16 and a half right now. We'll find a 17 at some point. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. I need to know is that, I don't even know if it matters to say, I need to know if that's Cole McCoy or uh, Clayton, Clayton Toon. Toon. Or, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up the uh, NFC West again. Uh YouTube, 4 for 4 Bets, subscribe, lots of other content. You can watch the other shows that we've done. You can also find that in podcast form wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, uh, help support the, the free stuff. We appreciate that. Head over to 4 for 4com uh, Clark and I's write-ups for these conferences or these divisions, the NFC conferences done. Those are free for you as well. And if you want to get the betting stuff, you want to get in the Discord, you want to get the picks when they're pushed through, some of these things that we've talked about, uh, we're continuing to fire at those. You need to get the betting sub at 4 for 4 Cheapest way to do that is with uh, promo code Four for four bet at Vivid Picks. Download Vivid Picks in the App Store. Uh, deposit five dollars. Play through that five bucks. Really easy pick 'em site game. You play. Hey, look, you can get golf matchups in there too. Uh, you can bet baseball. Connor might give you some strikeout props. Who knows what he's doing uh, these days over at Vivid? Uh, again, you can get all that info in the show notes. So I uh, appreciate it. We're gonna uh, be back next week with a different show. We're gonna pause our division previews. Uh, we'll jump into the uh, AFC East. Uh, the following week, we'll be back in the same spot here on Thursday next week. So for Connor and Clark, I'm Ryan. We'll see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.